Hello, good evening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you up there in the balcony. Thank you in the cheap seats. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you again, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. Nice to see you all. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Really excited. This is just... Well, it touches my heart. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming back again. Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. Thank you again. That was just heartwarming. It's great to see so many of you back. Uh, well, here we are on the precipice of season 2021-22, already on episode five of our sold-out season two, and about to play our last pre-season pod before the proper shenanigans begin. My name is Steph, and joining me are Ricky. Hello, Ricky. Hi, mate. Milo. Hi, Steph. And he's returning the long-lost brother, the man who brought us here, the guy behind the reason for the season. Everlasting name, the original Nata. Yes, I bring you Luton. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Hi, nice to have you back. Nice to have you back from the wilderness <laughs> of the Watford Gap, my friend. I know you got lost there, but glad to have you back. <laughs> it's good to be back guys thanks for having me <laughs> you'll never be back again if you think i'm gonna pull that stunt will you oh dear we will be uh not just singing old uh drum and bass classics we'll be looking back at the week that just was another quiet one for us actually um yeah, we're going to be taking a look at our very exciting new best in Serie A last season central defender, Christian Romero, uh, a.k.a. Cutie, who, um, as Milo pointed out, is the latest in a, a list of illustrious nicknames to come from uh, Argentinian, for Argentinian players. Uh, not to, why is he called Cutie? Do we know? Uh, his sister called used to call him that because she couldn't pronounce Christian when he was a kid. So, mm, Wow. Yeah, that's where it comes from. On that basis, we should probably rename half of the players I try to pronounce with various names because that's absolutely <laughs> butchered them. Anyway, so uh, I'll take uh, I'll take uh, Christian Romero's sister's advice next time. Anyway, he was signed from Atalanta, not for the immediate 47 million quid plus add-ons quoted, but for an initial loan with a contract to purchase at the end of the season. It appears take a long, large bow, Mr. Paratici. That is some business there. We'll be getting into that. Uh, we'll also be trying to figure out who's in our revolving transfer door as the aforementioned director of football continues to show that he has long sleeves with rather a lot up them. Oh, and yes, we will take a moment to review the Olympian-level backstroke uh, from Florida last Friday. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that for that particular player, things got rather messier on Thursday. I was expecting one of your new sound effects. Boom, boom, ch. I did it myself. <laughs> anyway, we're also going to look back at uh, not just today's mind series friendly with the Woolwich Wanderers, which saw us, of course, win 1-0. Even though it's a friendly, you always have to beat them. But also the meeting with Chelsea last Wednesday. And we will be doing a traditional no-frills, all-balls season preview, where the Games About Glory will reveal the true scope and breadth of its optimism, realism, or just plain delusionalism. Got all that? Great. <laughs> In that case, three, two, one. Chaps? Let's start with the potentially great signing of Christian Romero. You know, why don't we kick it off by talking a little about what it seems this guy's going to bring to us. And uh, Ricky, why don't you start us off with uh, some thoughts on this signing from, and what we know of him? Well, he looks a bit of a kind of Graham Roberts in the making, is he? Do you think he's like um, an aggressive defender, no-nonsense defender, 
Um, seems to like to carry the ball upfield a bit, but maybe not in the way that we would um, always, you know, not not in the way we would see kind of the Anvatonga maybe. But we kicked it off in style. The defence needed a rebuild. It's been the most impart- important part of the rebuild. And we certainly, well, it looked like we laid the money out for him, but it looks like obviously the deal's slightly different structured than that, which could be good for other parts of the um, recruits we've got to do. And I mean, the only other concern is... I think other people have said this. Um, I think he's young and a lot of our defenders are young. So I'm just still a little bit cautious mm. about having maybe we can follow him up with an experienced head, someone, you know, that can guide our younger defenders in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I think there's been a few comments that he'd benefit from having a, a leader alongside him. Um, and I think because he's such um, an aggressive defender, his um, his stats on kind of being aggressive or off off the scale um i think he's going to need someone behind him who stays on their feet and um and mops up and probably someone who's slightly better on the ball than him he's um as you said he's he's, he's good at taking the ball upfield he's uh some of his long passing is okay but he's not really a, a recycler mm. and one of the things that nuno appears to want is for us to recycle the ball uh, deep, uh, draw t- teams on and then progress very quickly from there. And um, I think he's going to need some help with that. But an excellent, excellent defender. Um, had a, a fantastic you know, a couple of seasons in, in Syria. I think probably the other thing we need to be wary of is that, I, I, I'm repeating myself, I say this every week, but Atalanta are a very, very um, systems-based side. He was playing in a back three there. He was the central defender of a back three there. And unusually for a central defender in a back three he was in an advanced position rather than sitting behind the other two so that's quite an unusual uh, way of playing and quite different to what we're expecting to see at Spurs. Luton going to bring you in here I mean look let, let me just give some positives uh, uh, I mean I, we need to be positive aggressive quick to the tackle a warrior and a menace plus he's Lionel Messi's mate so uh, what do you have to add to that? So yeah I, I even went as far back and read about his time at Genoa and he played in a back three but he played on the right side he's somebody that's a discipline thing doesn't bother me because if he's a Vidic rather than a Rio fine we could do with because we haven't got either at the moment. So having that sort of real powerhouse, aggressive mm-hmm. um, defender who might make the odd mistake, but, you know, over a cost, course of a season, costing you two and saving you ten is a kind of equation you think about. But um, he's a marquee signing. He's mm-hmm. the best defender in Italy. He had a wonderful um, tournament, played through an injury, from what I know. Um, he's got friends in the team. Um, he's probably heard lots about Tottenham. He's from the same city, um, Cordoba, as um, Ozzy. And... His introduction videos are great and he's well talked about. And the Italian league is absolutely well known for having brilliant centre backs and to win the defender of the year and for him to sign for Spurs is amazing. But yeah, I'm dead excited. I was just say on the financing thing, um, I think it's just us trying to kick it down the road. We, you know, we haven't got a lot of money coming in at the moment. It's a way of delaying that till next, until we've had a season of, uh, of bums on seats in the mm-hmm. stadium. And, but it effectively means we've got on a six year deal because it's, it's a, it's a one year loan plus five. It's yeah, fantastic. And the, the fee is 42 million pounds. Um, not the 47 you said on the intro, mm. Steph. So mm. that's not much for a, for a decent central defender now. Yeah, we're already saving money, actually. Apparently we've saved money in the last three days and kicked off down the road, as you say. This is actually why we have a director of football. 
to do this stuff, right? To manoeuvre this situation, because this is great work. Yes, yeah, Steph, I mean, I had a little look at the deal, because obviously it's quite interesting the way it's played out slightly differently. Mm. And I don't think, I mean, given the general situation, I don't think Atlanta are particularly flush. You know, generally in football, most teams have got a bit of a financial crisis. Reading between the lines, I think they, they were probably pretty comfortable with what we were willing to pay. It's, it's a big fee at the end of the day. And realistically, we just had to, like most clubs, we had to wait for them to get replacements in. And um, they signed Lovato from Verona and Demerale from Juve. Uh, on another loan and of course Juve being involved in the money they've got to pay Juve for Romero and getting Demerao might have been helped that Paratici's in our game he knows kind of what's going on with those kind of things well, and um, Atalanta they owe 16 million to Juve and I did read that they've got to pay that in three payments so perhaps like a tidy solution might be our first payment to them might say to them you know we'll pay your first payment to Juve your first installment for Lovato and your loan fee for Demerao which basically means Atalanta they wouldn't have to pay anything they'd end up with two defenders and we'd obviously end up with who we wanted as well so I mean that's obviously yeah. maybe not work like that but that, that would be about nine million quid we'd give them up front and it would cover all that and both clubs would be reasonably happy mm. and we still have a bunch of money left in exactly. the liquid kitty the right now point. to work with without sales that we expect to already happen happening so we're in a great position i mean I'm not, I'm not a big fan of kicking too much stuff down the road national governments do this and it's a disaster basically well i, I, I don't want to get into this too much because others will drag on and on but i will tell you this national governments might do this but we are in the middle of uh, of a uh, uh, particularly perilous moment in our history and in, in global history. And if ever there was a moment to kick the can down the road for a season, given the lack of risks that this club has taken in the past, oh, this does not seem yeah. to be the biggest risk. We have to do it. And again, I say that, you know, Paratici's really proving himself to me by the week. You know, I mean, it's it seems to be working. Uh, no, I agree with that, Steph. I agree with that. I just don't think we should do it too much because obviously, no. you know, bo- well, I don't think borrowing money from the future for now is not always, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to realise that at some stage. It's not our history though, is it? So, Oh, no, no. It's against Levy. It's, you're right. I mean, it's nice to see that this is all an option. This is all a pathway. Luton, go on, in you go. So the romantic in me looks back at a number of signings uh, some of the big teams in the Premier League have made over the last few years and we look at uh, Virgil van Dijk, 75 million, Ruben Diaz for City for 62 million, we look at Harry Maguire for eight million, and you look at particularly with Van Dyke and Ruben Diaz, you'd say they were critical in the success those two teams had in winning their titles over the last few years. And the romantic in me would hope that this is our centre back signing, which really, really changes. Remember, Ruben Diaz has made John Stones look world class next to him. And I don't think John Stones is a bad player, but he's really helped him along. Van Dyke made Matip, Gomez. Lovren, whoever went up next to him, look a lot, lot better. When you get a really, really good, solid centre-back in, who's very, very confident and is well-respected, it changes a lot around the club. And if Lloris can build a relationship, whoever the keeper is, with this fella, um, I think we can hope and be optimistic that it's something amazing. Look, there's so many places to go discussing Romero at, at Spurs. And I mean, do, I'm actually going to have an opportunity to get into something I personally believe we'll see a lot of in the first half of this season when we get to the Mind series. Um, but keeping it on track for the moment, let's go to a couple of other signings that we're looking to make, supposedly. Uh, Tommy Asu's apparently on, on the cusp uh, with the Olympics being mm-hmm. over. Uh, having said that, there's still a rumour that, you know, Seville have to get rid of, uh, of, of Kunde and that he's also on the cusp because 
because Chelsea uh, won't spend the money. So something's going on there. This could be a case of uh, Paratici's irons in the fire, though. Yeah, I don't think those are either or. Tommy's being looked at as a right back, is, is my understanding. Hmm. Okay. But um, Kunde, um, I think Kunde is going to sit tight and wait till the end of the window and see if a Champions League club's club comes in for him I don't think he's going to be imminent okay I mean again I, I don't really know I, I all I know is that to my eye it looks like Paratici's doing what he does supposedly which is he's got you know several deals out there and as things come to a conclusion he'll pull the trigger on the ones that make the most sense Ali Gold's been talking said that he's been talking to people in in Tomiyasu's um, camp and they're saying that they expect the deal to be yeah. done once the now the Olympics is over so and that's come oh, from wow. his, that's come from his people yeah my hunch is I think the Tommy deal will get done it might have just been that the Japanese Olympic squad just didn't want to entertain any outside kind of transfer talk they just wanted to keep that all mm-hmm. kind of you know out of the group while the Olympics went on I mean the lack of Aurea in the first team at all um, during pre-season says that potentially he's on his way out I know he's made his intentions clear uh, so we do need somebody in that right back role and I have to say I don't think Kunde's coming but again I don't know and this is the point it's it was another busy week with all sorts of chitter chatter we got the surprising news of Dennis Serkin's um, imminent uh, transfer to Sunderland which at one point had everyone's hands in the air because we're thinking why are we moving him on with no clauses whatsoever but it is now appearing that we do have a buyback clause uh, in this deal which I think has uh, offered some relief to people We've also got Volovic. Uh, Martinez has, has now popped up on on the on on the the radar. Yeah, stumbling there to get the word radar out. I mean, what's going to happen? So Lautaro Martinez looks um, looks quite likely. It came out of nowhere today, um, but evidently we had a sixty million pound bid accepted by Inter Milan earlier in the week. Um, there's, I think Inter Milan are trying to renegotiate that a little bit um, since they've since um, they've agreed to sell Lukaku to Chelsea. But evidently, Inter still owe Manchester United fi- uh, 55 million for Lukaku, and they also have to pay United more because they've got um, a sell-on clause. So if they make a profit on him, they also have to send some more money to them. So. Although it's a big fee they're getting from Chelsea, there's a fair chunk of it that they're not going to see. Uh-huh. Interesting. They also owe us money from Ericsson. Ah. So these things combined, it might be one where actually we can do a deal and um, what looks like a really big fee actually starts getting a bit lower again once you, all these things are taken into account. And does the boy want to come to us is a big question for me. Uh, it's a matter of making sure the player wants to join Spurs because we don't have Champions League football, right? Um, so it's got to be a big, big pull to get him in. But he looks amazing. I watched his video today and I loved watching him. Very much like Sun, though. He likes to shoot from outside the box. He's cute with both, both feet. Um, he's clearly a presser. He really, really does run and run and run. But his YouTube compilation is amazing. I think the one thing we can determine from not going after Danny Ings in the end, who for so long was considered uh, to be coming to our club. Uh, it's been going rumbling on for a year, these rumours, and suddenly out of nowhere he's gone to Villa. I think the one thing we can conclude from that not happening is that someone is coming in. I mean, I think that's clear. I think Ings might have been an option if we got to the end of the window and he was still at Southampton. Um, you know, we're told the priority is um, is a centre-back and a right-back at the moment. 
But maybe the thing with Martinez is that, that it's just too good an opportunity to turn down in that it would appear you know, so. very good players available at the right price and into desperately need to sell. So maybe that's just changed our priorities a bit. So I so say Danny Ings is a decent player, but he's got he, he's got an injury, uh, you know, a, a, a bit of a shaky injury record yeah. as well. And he, he's, there's no value in that um, in a resale in a few years' time. Whereas if we look at some of these younger players here, you know, we can get a good few years out of them and then maybe turn them, you know, turn them for a profit in a few years' time. So that's that makes more sense. I agree. I thought Ings was always the sort of player that Mourinho would have got in, you know, just because of what you said that it's a it's a he's an instant player in a sense that he's a player that's going to work for the now. He's not going to have much going in a couple of years mm. uh, I, I, I agree with that but uh, do we think that there's any truth in Damsgaard or not? I'm sure we're interested but I mean I think there's, he's one of several you know the um, Madueke at, um, at PSV who you know left left us uh, a few seasons ago to go there because he couldn't see a route into the first team with us and Poch wasn't loaning out young players there, there seems to be some, some genuine interest in him and he's you know excellent excellent player scored two yesterday against Ajax in, in the Dutch Community Shield um, so yeah, really good player. I think Bayern are also sniffing around him, so there's a bit of competition for him. But um, he's meant to have left on good terms, so there's something to be hopeful for there. I think there's quite a bit of difference in the in the fees we've been talking about for Damsgaard. So um, the rumor was that we'd bid 20 million, and um, um, Sampdoria are looking for 40. So it's quite a big gap. I mean, we we desperately need a free um, a set piece specialist. Um, at the moment, when Sun takes our corners, he's all right at him, but and especially when it comes to free kicks, we had Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer, Eric Dyer, Eric Dyer line up today and pelt one. Um, it'd be good to have somebody who can actually um, take those corners and free kicks and get those set pieces in for us. I was going to say, I was certainly impressed with Damsgaard at the Euros and it looks to fit in with, it does look like we've kind of changed tack, gone back to the kind of more players that are going to give us longer term value. They're useful and they either become absolutely brilliant and we have a chance to sell them or we're on a high level ourselves and they stay with us and carry us through. What I can't figure out with Damsgaard and what excites me about him potentially when I watch his movement, when I watch the way he is on the ball, his shape on the ball, I see a player who can spot a pass and, could, and who can almost play in that Ericsson role. But that's not what he does right now. And I don't know if that's just because I'm buying into the, 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 the semi-rhetoric or I'm sort of projecting onto him because he's got similar you know, body shape when he's on the ball and so on. If he could develop into that sort of player as well as what he is, it'd be absolutely brilliant. Uh, And that's the big question. And that's the question that our director of football has to answer. But chaps, I mean, how exciting. This is two, three weeks in a row. And we're actually talking about movement. You know, there's players that they still look like they're actively going to be leaving the club. Serge Aurier is in Dombele on his way out. You know, I mean, it looks like we're trying to move players. Is is Sanchez on his way out? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interest in Sanchez. There doesn't appear to be much interest in Aurier. I think we're at the stage now where we need to start moving these players out to create some space for new players coming in. So you'd assume if Sanchez leaves, then we're going to see another another centre back in. Um, we need to we need to sell one, possibly two right backs. I think there's a handful of central midfielders that you know obviously Sissoko needs to go. I'm not sure how much football Winks is going to see this season. There's a there's a handful of players there that need to move on. So you know I think I think we're probably at a stage now where I mean maybe the Romero deal it being an initial loan means that we could bring one more person in before we need to sell, but we're not far off one in one out now. Yeah, but we believe that Paratici is going to get it done. I don't think I've had belief. They were going to get the business done before the end of the window like this for a long, long time. Um, you know, does everyone share that optimism on my part or are you all rather more mature and seasoned and thinking, well, let's just wait and see what happens? <laughs> yeah, my observations of the market, it's definitely a buyer's market. Uh, it might, I mean, that obviously counts against us. It's okay for when we're buying, but it counts against us when we've got people like Sissoko and Winks that we need buyers for. So um, 
Uh, I mean, there's a lot of clubs in peril out there, really. And, you know, they're gonna, we, we're going to want whatever fees we want for it. I think we'll be a little bit, I think we'll have a little change of tact. I think we'll be a little bit lighter on the fees. I think we just want these people moved on, basically. So, and if Absolutely. it does fill the pot a little bit, then um, I'm sure it gives Paratici more, more money to play with. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of loans to, uh, loans with an option to buy on just to get people out, out get the wages off the books. Yeah. I, I can't imagine Winks won't have his suitors. He's homegrown. He's young. He's a good player. I mean, he's much maligned by our fans. Well, more to be discussed. It's going to rumble on until the end of the window. I think we're going to be having this as a regular feature for the next couple of weeks. Uh, before we get to the mine series, let's just go there. We're going to have to. Um, Harry, as we are to refer to him from now on, sent us a sort of heartfelt social media post which suggested he's been doing some pretty perfunctory yoga on his holidays to me, actually. Uh, I'm not going to bother quoting it word for word. Needless to say, it was uh, some spiel along the lines of how disappointed he was that us fans could ever possibly have doubted that he would refuse to train. Uh, this statement, of course, came at the end of a week when Harry stayed away from training. So yes, indeed, how dare we make such assumptions? Um, Look, I don't want to completely villainize him. He's quite obviously been poorly advised. And, you know, I'm going to just get this off my chest right now. I think the media need to start really putting Manchester City under the un, under the microscope here because there's been some nefarious dealings going on, in my opinion. This is strictly my opinion, uh, obviously. And so as such, it could be a load of rubbish. But it appears to me that this player has received uh, information that someone is interested in him and has acted uh, in a way that he's sort of been suggested would be to his benefit. It just looks very confusing. It's a very unedifying look for Harry. I don't think it's fully who he is. I'm sure it's chewing him up. Uh, the whole thing is just a giant mess. And uh, all I can see is that Daniel's going to double down, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, let's be, let's be honest here. How many deals do we think actually happen where, where there isn't contact between a club and a player before you've had a bid accepted? I mean, I would have thought that right. that's pretty much standard. And I'm sure that's what's been going on here, and I'm sure this has been going on for some time. Right. Um, he was meant to be upset that we didn't uh, didn't agree to sell him to City last summer. I wouldn't be surprised if there's been a dialogue going on since then. Thank but you. he's played his hand badly. Thank you for saying that. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Thank you. He's played his, he's played his hand badly, though, this summer. I think the the timings of the statements, the various different statements, has clearly got the, the clubs back up. And, you know, if you needed to go on strike to force through a deal, the time to do that is when there's a bid on the table. Um, doing it now just it, it just seems that he's um, yeah, just, just poor timing, just poor judgment. And, you know, if he turned up on Monday, gone through the motions and then waited for City to put in a bid, and even, you know, it was lower than we were prepared to accept, if then he starts kicking up a fuss, then maybe he can force it through. Um, but it just seems like really, really poorly handled. Yeah, for me, you think back to the lad with the face mask on with a broken nose scoring the craziest goal you've ever seen against Arsenal and sprinting with a look of absolute joy in his face and sliding on the floor. And I think that... Harry Kane has a really, really big romantic spot for all of us Spurs fans because he's just pure Spurs and the Arsenal fans absolutely can't handle it. So we love him to bits. And then I think for some fans, it's difficult to accept that the lad wants to move on. I've got no problem with him wanting to move on. Um, but from a very factual perspective, he's got three years left on his deal. Um, nobody's willing to offer what he is worth. He is world class. He's, and Pep had the nerve to talk about him in an in interview, uh, which was sort of tapping up, which I, I didn't in, enjoy in, either. In fairness, but... in fairness to Pep, and I'll defend him here, he's been tapping him up for the last three years when he called him, when he called us that Harry Kane team. So, you know, he's been sniding around for some years. So let's give him his due. 
Yes. Harry Kane's too good for 100 million. He's too good for 120 million. We, Coutinho went for 130 million. And uh, our chairman's going to be looking at those figures and say, look, this is a prize asset. And also, keeping Harry Kane means we will be a better team. There's absolutely no doubt about that in my mind. Losing Harry Kane is very, very, almost impossible to replace him unless you were create, you're rich and big enough to buy Lewandowski, right? And he's got another season or two in him. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just, rationally, I just think he's made a massive mistake in terms of how he's handled it. I understand him wanting to leave. He's got three years left on his deal and I'm completely supportive of how the club has handled it quietly. I think it's been, Nuno's been excellent too. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I mean, from, well, from Harry's point of view, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm a little soft on him really. I can't, I can't hate on him like some fans have been really. I mean, the vibe from, I mean, the vibe from came from the beginning was, um, <laughs> He was happy to stay if he looked like we were challenging or we were going places. And we got nowhere near to ticking that box the last two seasons. So, you know, and two seasons is a long time for waiting for an upturn. I think his, his reasons to, to want to leave is sound. I think we all agree with that anyway. And um, he's also, I mean, he's given his best in those two seasons, so I can't complain there. And I think it's just likely he got talked hanging around by the levy chat he had last year and probably a charm offensive by the special one who shall not be named last season, really. I think, as Milo said, I think he's obviously misheard or misconstrued slightly the words he got from the chairman in, you know, in the promises he was given. At this point, if I may come in with a quick rebuttal, he's misheard and misconstrued some of the whispers he's received from his suitors, because if they really liked him that much, they would have done business. They'd have put some an offer on the table, a firm one. They wouldn't have just whispered behind ears, uh, you know, behind hands into ears and behave the way they have, because right now he's sitting there. He's done his bit. Well, where are they? What are they Oh, doing? no, I agree. But, I mean, we, we're not 100% sure what's been said. I mean, we know the levy chat happened, don't we? But we're not 100% sure what Man City have been doing. Does it really matter what was said? I mean, he was told he could leave if there was a value, if there was a, a, an offer that met our value. I mean, it's very transparent. I was just going to go on to say, I mean, it's safe to say Levy no, never quoted him a figure. He never mentioned a figure in that conversation. I mean, the only other time I'd have sympathy with Kane is if he, if Levy has added afterwards, i.e. this summer, to say that we're only accepting a bid from a foreign club. Because if he said that and not said that originally, then that is slightly out of order from Levy because he probably presumed I can go to any club. But um, well, then, but but I have to again counter. Why is Harry's agent not making sure to get these I's and T's dotted before everyone kicks off last season? You don't just if you have to. I mean, that's what this person's job is, and this goes again to why he's really fudged up by having his brother as his agent because these guys these guys don't muck around. This is. These guys are sharks, all of them. And I think Charlie's probably too nice a bloke. They've been played by everyone. He's got the wrong person involved. He, I mean, he's obviously given a job to his brother. And he's, what's his brother got? A dog ear copy of the football agents for dummies or something. You know what I mean? He's a nice bloke. I mean, he is a good... Uh, Charlie Kane's a really nice bloke. And, he, and I'm you know, I've, I've no doubt he's a brilliant brother as well. He's good laugh. But I've talked to him at games before. But if he's driving this, he's crashing it into every corner, isn't he? Basically. Well, because you know because I mean? like because <laughs> because this is a classic example of, and this is a problem in society. People think in the modern world, oh, that's easy. I could do that. Well, no, you can't. If your toilet is broken, you get a plumber because inevitably, if you don't get a plumber and try and fix it yourself, at some point you're going to cover your own house with shit. And unfortunately, it appears that the metaphor might be holding true. In this case, it's worth pointing out that it wasn't Charlie Kane who negotiated the contract extension three years ago. He 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 did have a, um, a kind of recognised agent at that point. Charlie Kane only came in after that after that was concluded. So then we're saying that Charlie Kane's actually been handed this, but this this bag of unfortunate uh, crap to deal with. Well, 
No, no, no. I mean, that doesn't change the fact that he's fucked up handling it this summer. Right. So, you know, the contract situation he couldn't change, but in terms of handling it this summer, they've played it badly. But I don't necessarily agree with the kind of disgust or the kind of pouring of hate that, oh, he's not one of our own anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I think that's it's, ridiculous. I mean, it's a bit over the top for me. I mean, at the end of the day, realistically, he's missed four days training. That's all he's done. And I'd probably say in the six years he's been with us, he's probably done 100 days plus extra training that we've benef- he and we benefited from. And I think people kind of, you know, they've, they've, you can't just, you can't, you can't let that kind of cloud your overall judgment of what you think of Harry Kane and what he's been with our club. Evidently, he was late back last summer as well. I think the Athletic reported yeah. that and the club kept it quiet. So it's not the first time this has happened. I mean, realistically, he could do with the break. Mm. You know, he, he he needs a he needs a month off. So, um, you know, in the longer term, I mean, I don't think he's leaving. So, I think in the longer term, it probably does us it probably does us good. He's he's been run into the ground over the last few years. I'd like to repeat this because I was listening to uh, BBC Five Live earlier in the week, and uh, one of the pundits there, Joby McEnough, made the comment. You know, I understand why he wants to leave. He wants to play in Champions League finals. Well, Joby, he did play in a Champions League final. He played in it with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, and I do want to remind people of that. And he's played in two other finals with us so he has played some pretty massive games for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club let's just tie this up as tidily as we can are we basically agreeing Harry has been naive and and possibly played by outside forces here he's probably going to be sticking around and it behooves us all to recognize that the weight of what he's given us and the weight of his you know love for the club should outweigh a week a couple of weeks uh, of, of you know reported discontent we should all move past it hope that you know give him our love and support as we have done for for, for years now and he will give us as he has done for years some sterling performances and hopefully it will all be fine and then at the end of the season on you go is that does that sound about right yeah I think that's right I mean the overall view is just like we said before I mean unless City are going to get old Daniel's fact machine buzzing with a 150 plus million bid then Daniel's not going to be answering the phone to him but like you said Steph I agree Charlie should have found out in the first place whether that would be coming forth sometime this summer really I'd, I'd expect City to put in a bid of about 130 million later in the window and stir things up and just see if they can disturb him a little would bit would you more. take I mean, it no not for that good and why would we not take it let's just establish this because I know it's why I not, wouldn't it's not enough money Right, it's not enough money. Yeah, because Pep can go fuck himself for tapping our player up again and again. I mean, I don't think anything's changed since the first time we discussed this. You know, if, if he's worth a lot more than they're talking about, and I mean, frankly, I would be upping the fee, and I suspect Levy would anyway for them acting like dicks. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yep. Um, so I think it would cost them more. I would happily sell him next summer, but my preference would be to. To bring in someone, his eventual successor now, have a season where they can uh, they can bed in and they can find their feet and and then shift him next summer on our terms. But if they offered crazy money this summer, if they put two hundred million on the table, I'd, put, I'd take. I was it. just about to say that. I mean, that's the other problem in Levy's head. He thinks if they do get serious, we've got basically three weeks till August the thirty first. Because it looked like we mm-hmm. we've always wanted a backup striker to Kane. If Kane goes as well, we're taking two steps backwards. We've basically got Sun, and we're going to have to. We've got three weeks. And obviously in those three weeks, we've actually got games and proper games like league games. So Levy's probably thinking, oh, I don't know if I even want to do that. Here's the truth. Manchester City aren't going to win the Champions League this season. That's my first prediction. I've gone early on the night here, boys. They're (laughs) not going to win the Champions League. And if Harry, if you stick with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, you will win a European trophy this season with us. The proletariat 
Choice League, the true championship of true Europe. You will win it with us. We love you, Harry. We will forgive you uh, your transgressions of training and whatever. You don't need to put out any more of these silly sort of PR comments and all that business. It's fine. We're all going to love you when you come back fully rested and bang a few in in what will probably be your final season with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And uh, Manchester City, bog off. Right? That's it. Let's call, let's let's move on. Let's move on to the mind series. <laughs> Good lord, that that stuff is enough to do your head in as it is. But let's move <laughs> on to the mind series. So uh, before we talk about the one nil victory over the Woolwich Wanderers today, the first thing I want to get off my chest and just get out there is, uh, and I expect you're all going to agree, the pride that I felt in our football club and our football club supporters today. A few weeks ago, we made a quite pointed uh, call for support for Bayaka Saka. And uh, I th- we were not alone in that, of course. There were other like-minded supports groups who did the same. And it was delivered on today. He got um, uh, a, a big round of applause when he stepped on the pitch. And there was a really, really great banner in the in the crowd as well, talking about North London standing by um, Saka and, and, and standing against racism. And I was really proud. And it sort of goes back to what we were talking about last week, boys, where, you know, these are the outliers or uh, uh, that really make Tottenham Hotspur Football Club for me. You know, it makes me proud to follow the club uh, because we are like this and we will behave like this and we do behave like this. Agreed? I mean, it was a great thing, wasn't it, to see that? Just applause everywhere. There wasn't even a hit of anything other than just applause. And you could see when he walked on, when he realised yeah. it, he clapped yeah. because I assumed the young man was taken aback. And he's he's a lovely kid. The abuse he went through, um, bless him. Did you see he thanked us on uh, oh, his Insta account yeah. tonight? So great. that's good as well. And and then you saw at the end of the game, a lot of the Spurs players were over with him having a chat as well. And I think it's important because it's beyond football, exactly. right? It is beyond football. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was very proud today. And the groups, uh, the Pride group as well, supporting out there, looking at all different minorities and people who go through yeah. stuff. They're incredible. Um, the Lily Whites there and what they do and the things they talk about, um, they're just important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was good to see. Well, that cool. was great. Yeah, it, was, it, it still worried when he was going to come on. I still wondered whether it was going to happen. It was so nice when it did happen because it just transcended that whole you know north london derby business and that kind of thing because people can rise above that and it showed that people can rise above that and we're in such a fractitious era right now with covid frustrations and everything it just seemed like a real blast of 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 positive fresh air that that you sometimes wonder if you'll ever see or experience the likes of it on mass again and it's nice to see that yes you will and that you we did uh, we did it at Tottenham Hotspur football club today so brilliant fantastic how did we think the game went uh i'll i'll Put a button on what I thought and throw it over to the floor first. Uh, Milo, kick us off. Um, yeah, I thought it went pretty well. Um, Arsenal were awful. They didn't really offer anything. Our defence didn't really have to do much. So, you know, I don't think we could read too much into you know into it, uh, in, you know, into the overall performance, it, it, considering how weak they were. But it was, you know, pretty promising. I, I thought it was really interesting that we started with Mora and uh, Bergwin on the opposite flanks. And, you know, it happened actually a fair, fair chunk of the game. They, they played on opposite flanks to they normally would. I thought it worked quite well, actually. I thought Mora had, uh, had a good game again. I think there's an issue with the balance in, in central midfield. I thought Delhi had a really good game in the final third, but I thought deeper... Not so good, and I think we're struggling to progress the ball quickly through midfield. So a lot of our attacks came from balls over the top or from the flanks, and we're not really you know, creating much from moving the ball through central midfield quickly. And I thought it was noticeable how much that improved once Lo Celso came on. So I'm hoping he's fit for next weekend. 
I thought Hoybier looked a little bit better than he did against Chelsea. Against Chelsea, he was noticeably off the pace a bit, and you know it, it showed that he'd only recently got back to pre-season training. I thought he had a better game today. And I suppose the other one, Jaffet, was fantastic. Had an absolutely great game. Yeah, Luton, come in on that. Come in on that now and, and, and bring us up to speed with Jaffet today and, and other aspects of today's 1-0 victory over the, the Goons. I mean, Jaffet... I think a couple of times he was, I've noticed in the last couple of games, he's been wrong side, but he has the pace to recover. And um, you look at Kyle Walker, his football intelligence sometimes isn't brilliant, but he has the pace to recover. And Jaffet showed that today. He caught up really, really quickly. And we're talking about, you know, players like Aubameyang and Asako when he came on, who were quick. Um, and then for the assist, it was just pure determination. Um, it wasn't, it was an assist to an assist, but he just kept on, kept on going, um, and eventually got the ball across. And, um, he really, really fought. I thought he was great. I thought defensively he looked good. I thought he progressed the ball. Um, I thought he made intelligent decisions. I thought he recovered well. Um, but the most glorious thing of today was, um, Pierre stepping to Mikel Arteta uh, and putting a hand out to them and the man shushed him it was a pre-season friendly and losing one nil fella relax a little bit but um, so Jaffet was wonderful Hoiberg was was passion and everything and he was talking a lot in the game which is I think we've said before he's captain material isn't he I know he's early on in his career with Spurs but um, he really does show a lot of leadership out there I saw Sanchez talking a lot to Jaffet today as well which I was impressed with a number of times we went over to him and he was telling him look this 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 um, and I think we have to give a lot of credit to the two centre-backs today. We're much maligned and much talked about. A lot of people happily, seemingly, um, have them sold. It's a good game. We were much better than them. Delhi hit the bar a couple of times. Um, he had a really good chance to score on the half volley. Um, I agree with Milo here about his um, his deeper role. He, he just looks so much better when he's playing that number 10. Um, you know, when he gets into the box. And we're currently playing a 4-3-3 where technically a 10 doesn't exist, right? Before I get into that, Ricky, you should give us your thoughts. Yeah, Jeff, I don't know if he had a little niggle at the end there. Did he pick up a small mm. kind of injury maybe? I'd really, really hope he doesn't suffer anything because... He walked off okay and the medical team weren't... Too bothered, um, no. Too bothered, so yeah. I think uh, hopefully he's okay. Yeah, I didn't think the fullbacks really got forward that much today. It did towards the end there, but um, that might be because we're playing four at the back there. But we're playing kind of a bit of a flattened V in the centre of midfield, aren't we? With Skip at the base and Hoiberg mm-hmm. and Delhi either side. And I'd say even that's a bit wonky. I'd say maybe Delhi gets forward a bit more than Hoiberg does there. Mm. We switched around that because Hoiberg was deepest in the first half and then we switched it in the second half so that it was Skip and Hoiberg um, the other side of him. And then and then obviously Lo Celso so came on came for Hoiberg. Yeah. So, so we, we, we did mix that around. Well, I think... Um, I mean, the goons aren't up to much, are they? I think they're almost... I mean, and they should be further ahead than us in the sense of settled side. I mean, Lacassette still played, Abangyang played, Turney played, Zaka yeah, played. Yeah, but, but they just look like a side that had no motivation. They don't look like they're fired up for anything. There's nothing That's what to I'm saying. I mean, they're just sort of going through the motions, really, weren't yeah. they? Well, for such a kind of young... So- such a young kind of inspirational coach. He doesn't seem to be inspiring them at all. And no, Ben White was their best player, I thought, by, by, by some distance. And Saka, when he came on, was very good. I mean, other than I mean, that... I'm not sure how long Arteta's been there, but they must soon think that he... I mean, Season and a half, he, he joined just after Mourinho joined us, didn't he? All, all I'd say is they're almost as bad as the font is on the back of their shirts. Horrible. Horrible oh, I font. I, I've got it, But I've got it. I've got to go back to this Delhi, this Delhi question um, and this Delhi issue, and I'm going to put my case forward as quickly as I can. I appreciate everything that is being said. Uh, I think we've 
been fattened up on the deli that uh that potch produced for us um that number 10 i think i think we've been fattened up on that i think for me i'm recognizing more a player who has adjusted his game in the way that southgate asked him to for the world cup in 2018 albeit this is not quite exactly the same it's not a dissimilar adjustment for him i personally think that when you have lacelso and when you have hoybear i think skips the person who misses out right now and i think that should be the starting midfield because the one thing Delhi does give you is he might be fairly perfunctory in terms of that three in midfield but my word he gets into those goal scoring positions and he should have scored twice today he was very unlucky and I see that coming over and over again and if Kane comes in and is in that front three all of a sudden it gives Delhi a whole other dimension to play with and it gives Delhi a whole other level of intelligence up front and I think that I think I think he could make a fist of it we'll see I don't, we'll see who comes in, who comes out. But right now, he's in my starting 11. And, uh, you know, I agree. We do need to progress the ball better through midfield. And uh, I, I was actually quite frustrated in the first half looking, thinking, well, where's the passing going to come from? It's a little too slow, a little too deliberate. Uh, there's not much incision. Having said that, when Lacelso came on, it did change the balance. And I love Skip. I thought Skip was great today. But I don't know if Skip and Hoybier will be in the same side with this system. And so that being said, I think Delhi sticks around. And the other player I'm going to throw at you is Eric Dyer. Once again, another manager who believes in him. Once again, a centre-back who is not afraid to lead. Once again, a centre-back who is not afraid to talk and possibly a centre-back who can help guide Christian Romero for that vital first six weeks to two months in British football, help guide him through. Maybe... Eric Dyer's the guy who sits back and reads the game and allows the Tiger to charge around a little ahead of him. I don't know. It's not his game, though, is it? I think that my other concern about the two of them is Romero isn't great in the air, and nor is Dyer. And I think we'd be exposed with the two of them together. I think it's likely that... Um, that that's what we'll start with because Dyer's so talkative. So Experience. I think from that point of view, it's pretty, it's prob- it probably would be him. But I would expect that once Romero's settled in, Dyer makes way for someone else. I think Dyer and Romero also, you, you've got no one there who's particularly comfortable passing, so, um, playing under pressure, resisting the press. So I think that would be an issue. So I think someone coming in there, we're going to look for someone who's good on the ball, uh, who can stand, stand back and mop up and who's good in the air. Let me ask you boys this if I can. If you've got Jaffet, who I think we would all agree is quite possibly played himself out of a loan to Galatasaray today and played himself in for at least this first six months of the season. Perhaps he gets loaned in January if he's not getting enough football. I think he's done more than enough. I think he's gone ahead of the pecking order uh, of several of our defenders. But uh, let's assume he has. If you've got Jaffet on the right, who's obviously got a bit of speed and coverage, and you've got Reguilon on the left, can you get away with it there? Can you get away with that? Or are you still going to be looking for someone else alongside uh, Romero other than Dyer? Yeah, of course you are. If we sign nobody else, who is that person? Who plays alongside Christian Romero in a four with the squad that we've got right now? Who's his partner? To start with, it's Dyer, isn't it? Well, but we've established that. Beyond Dyer, who else is it? Um, I don't think there's any natural pairs there. I mean, our defence is weak. We need to move players on. The only other option would be Rodon, because he'd be left side yeah. and he'd be happy to play there. Yeah. But Rodin needs minutes. And, 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 minutes. He's, and he's strong in the air. But, um, but he, yeah, he's barely got a look in in pre-season, has he? And um, I, I'd hope Nuno's asked our director of football to really, but, really try and find a left-footed centre-back. I know they're, re- they're gold dust, aren't they? There's a few out there, but um, they're hard and they're not often for sale, but there's got to be someone decent out there. But I think it's really important we get somebody with experience in there in the defence. It's a very young back four, which, which concerns yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, that is another problem with Rodin. 
he's another youngster. But the other thing with Ronan, mm. I presume he hasn't been back long. I mean, it was with Wales at the Euros, so I presume he hasn't been back training that long, a bit much like the others. Problem with Dyer is he's, he's, um, Positional and own awareness is not great. He's quite good at other people's awareness. Mm. He's quite good at pointing and telling other people what to do. But he does switch off and he just things go on around him, which, which he isn't always noticing. And if you want him to be a kind of protector of Romero, he's not going to do any of that kind of Ledley King business where he's just going to like Ledley King with Dawson was that kind of thing, wasn't it? Nybet for Ledley King. I mean, essentially what we're looking for is we're looking for a season of someone to be a Nybet. For Christian Romero, that's really what we want, and that's what oh. we're trying to find. So, anyway, what Boateng's still without a club, isn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's ideal, isn't it? Be, uh, that would be wow. immense. Have you called uh, him up? Just pre- Have you called Paratici <laughs> up? Why don't you get on the phone and call him? Oh, sorry, I thought you meant Boateng. Um... Well, you could tap him up as well. I wouldn't be tapping up. <laughs> we were out on Friday night, but it didn't come up in a conversation. To be honest with you, well, you were... oh, that's right, because you've been too busy raving for the last week, haven't you? <laughs> Stop raving and do you do some work for the club, will you? Pete's sake. Anyway, briefly on Jaffet. Um, if Tommy's coming in, then he, he he's going to be ahead of Jaffet in that position. I think Jaffet needs a season's football, and if we're bringing in other players. I think a loan would do him good. I'm not saying that Galatasaray is necessarily that that loan, but I would rather at this stage of his career he's Oliver Skip than KWP. I wouldn't do it for six months at least. I would not come as immediately assume that Tommy's going to walk into the first team. We the, the, we can't assume that. The guy's going to need to be broken in. And I think that Jaffet can absolutely help. And I think it can be very healthy competition. And if it turns out that, you know, he does need more regular football come January, then at least we know that there are suitors. So, yeah, I disagree with you. And plus on that right side, I mean, I'll, I'll probably agree with Steph there, I think, because on that right side, we haven't got a clue what's happening with Aurier and we haven't got a clue what's going to happen with... Um... Mr. Ordinary, um, Doherty, because <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on there. Perfect line for Jaffet is to Bologna. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there was an interview with um, with Jaffet after one of the games a couple of weeks ago where, where he was saying that he um, he saw himself as a centre-back and he was pleased to be back playing there. Mm. So, again, getting minutes is good for him. But, yeah, I, I, I can't help thinking if we can bring other players in, then alone is the best option for him. Yeah, but we've got, it's a perfect segue, actually. We talk about Captain Ordinary uh, to, to briefly touch on the Chelsea game. I just, I have to say that, you know, I don't... <laughs> I don't know if any of you are familiar with the director, the film director Robert Eggers. He's made the he made the Witch and uh, and and he uh, he made the film that I'm spacing on right now, uh, The Lighthouse, uh, which is absolutely brilliant. You know, Willem Dafoe um, and uh, the, the the chap from uh, the the vampire films. I'm spacing on my names tonight. Anyway, two grim lighthouse keepers, like just grimly going through grim weather and grim everything. I, the, the point of this ramble is that poor old. Doherty on Wednesday every time I looked at him he looked like he was in that film The Lighthouse and it looked like his his screen time had been directed by Robert Eggers because he had the look such a grim look I've never seen a player look like he was enjoying his football less he looked so utterly unhappy it looked like I mean he was literally a frown every time and every movement was sort of a little labored and a little I just I I think I wonder what he's up with him because he does not look like a happy functional footballer to me right now anyone got any thoughts well Nuno got rid of him a year ago because he wanted to switch to a back four he struggled last season because we played a back four he said himself it was taking him time to adjust to being playing as a right back rather than a right wing back you know you're absolutely right it is so obvious isn't it when I think about it yeah yeah. He's just not suited to the role. Unbelievable. He must 
it is like he's living his own personal Robert Eggers film right now. He's just being, it's just, it's all in grim, gritty sort of low greys and blacks and whites, sat, you know, and, and just everything is drudgery, right? I, I feel for him because he seems like a yeah. nice man, doesn't he? I agree. I agree. He seemed really happy when him and uh, Gareth Bale were on the pitch together last season. I think they worked really, really well. But um, a lot, some of those games were in the Europa League and we we're having a field day. But yeah, um, he, he seems to permanently look like he's not happy, but he looked laboured on the pitch. So I agree with you there. Sad. Uh, a little bit of a more realistic uh, expectation, I think, for Dane Scarlett, who I think has looked very good through pre-season, obviously. And against Chelsea was possibly a little more to par and also to day i mean you know this is a brilliant potential potentially a brilliant player and we need to remember that it is potential there's a player who is going to need some football i think he sticks around with us this season next season goes out on loan but i think that it was it's possibly good that we temper our expectations a little bit uh for him would we agree with that yeah he, i mean he's a little bit he's a little bit too young to be going out on loan isn't he yeah. and yes. um but he, he didn't get many minutes against chelsea or nor today and i thought uh, against chelsea he won a ball in the air and, uh, oh, yeah. and shielded it well. That was brilliant. Yeah. Given how young he is and yes. against a, a decent, you know, a decent team, even even though that they'd you know, taken off most of their first team players by the time uh, he came on, um, that that was okay. I thought Chelsea was a real awakening. I mean, so if you look at the um, kind of the difference between today and Wednesday, Chelsea didn't give us any time in the certainly in the first half when they had their best players out, didn't give us any time on the ball, and we really struggled. And players, a lot of players that we thought had been doing quite well in pre-season looked very ordinary. So Delhi and uh, Mora particularly really struggled against Chelsea. And I think that came down to how much time they had on the ball. And I think, you know, whilst it was, you know, it was good to beat the Goons today, we've got to bear that in mind that against the better teams those players are going to struggle. Do you think when Hoybier said in today's post-match interview, he was kept on tapping his head and talking about we're building something, we're building towards a mentality, and he was basically suggesting that, yeah, you know, we need to get tougher. That first half against Chelsea, to me, was as much about attitude as anything. It's like we we played that first half as though we were in a pre-season friendly, and Chelsea played it as though they were there for business. And it was about 20 minutes before we sort of caught up with the pace. And by that time, of course, we couldn't get into it. I mean, Kante in particular, who is obviously a brilliant player, but I mean, he played like he was playing the Champions League semi-final. I mean, and I thought that, you know, again, I love Delhi, but I mean, def- Delhi was definitely not quite at that same intensity and there was a good lesson lesson for them. I think it might be one a, a feature of these games in that you only had home fans in there. On TV, at least, it sounded quite hostile and that might have been quite difficult. And I think Interesting. probably good experience for our players. They're a fucking good side, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's quite, imp- I think they're quite, they're further along the development curve than we are and mm-hmm. quite impressive, really. I think Tuchel's done really well in the time he's been there. And, you know, if they get rid of their own, their own cell data up front, if they get rid of that bloke and get Lukaku in, I think they'll do damage, basically. I think they're, they're, they're a really well set up side. And some mm-hmm. of the good patterns and stuff we looked like we'd been working on and we played against the lesser opponents like MK Dons and Colchester, Chelsea just don't allow you to have that time, don't allow you to have that kind of thought patterns and 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 the time on the ball i think that's one thing that i do worry about delhi with is that he does tend in the deeper areas he likes to still play the game at his own pace and yeah. um but not in a kind of perlo or sedan way where you think oh, those people can play at their own place and occasionally because the kind of game these days wants to hunt the ball in those areas so if he loses it there we then can get in trouble from that position yeah i agree yeah. and he, he'll take on high risk balls in mm. um in dangerous positions further up the pitch it doesn't matter so much it's easy to get seduced by 
kind of the performance today, but Arsenal were bloody awful. And I think we don't want to be measuring ourselves against Arsenal. I agree with Delhi. I agree that I think that the one thing I would say he's going to have to to learn if he wants to keep that role is when to take the risk. And also the, the other thing, and one thing he did do today, which was a little, um, come on, lad, buck up, needs to be a little stronger on the ball. I think uh, there was a, he got pushed around a little bit here and there, I thought, um, and he won't always win the free kicks he's looking for there. So he's going to have to adjust his a little bit uh, when it comes to physicality. Uh, you know, I mean, he does. He reminds me a bit of a player from the seventies. Sometimes you know, when we just want to put the foot on top of the ball and stop the game and that kind of thing. He never does this when he's in that final third, when he's in and around Kane, and when he used to do that thing. That's all off the cuff, and he's absolutely fantastic at that. And I think that this is why when Kane returns, we'll see things work a little differently. But I mean, I agree with what you've all been saying. I mean, the key to it, and and Milo alluded to this before, you know, when Lo Celso came on, things changed today. Uh, and it was because finally you had someone who could actually, you know, move the ball swiftly in those central areas and actually sort of probe a bit and like, you know, and, and, and get us moving in, in short passages rather than lumping it, you know, so. One thing on Kane, so when he does return, um, I think it's really important this season, and this is going to be quite difficult for us to do, but I think one thing that's quite important is that we wean ourselves off Kane's supply and it comes from other areas because mm-hmm. if we look to move away from him, if we're transitioning away from him, we're selling him next summer, then um, we need to be able to phase that through. And I also think that Kane can't run like he used to. No. So we probably need to focus on him being where he's most effective. And I think the other thing that we should be looking at this season um, as we move away from Mourinho is that we become a team again. So rather than having nine players and then two who get licensed to get forward, we're 11 players playing as a unit again. And I think that probably means that we want Kane leading the line and the other people doing the creation. And and that's why that kind of progression through midfield quickly and those sharp balls is so important. It's going to be tough for him because uh, he likes to, you know, he wants to see the ball. And and also, you know, I mean, I didn't get into this. We were talking about Harry, um, but, you know, there is one other person who I blame for his current mental state. And you know who it is and you know why. And you've just said it yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think in terms of kind of his movement, I think movement in the front three and those rotating is great. What I don't want is him to cropping up in central midfield. Yes, and then quite. And the, you know, the ball over the top. Yep. I think we need to move on from that. One of the things that this preseason has done for me more than anything is it's shown me who Nuno is. And I already feel that, okay, Nuno may not be the man who is going to deliver full glory. But I already see him affectionately and with great warmth as a man who has brought dignity, some calm, some poise and, and some class back to the club. And, and uh, he's already, for me, earmarked himself in our history as the man who got the ship to sail straight again. I mean, I don't know where we're going to end up. We'll get into predictions in a minute. But what I will say is I think that we are going to look back at however long or short his tenure is and really respect that what he had to do when he came in was immense. He's been in the job for just over a month and already he has undone a tremendous amount of really, really bad work by his predecessor. I think we've got progressively better as it's gone on. So I think um, I think it's been quite a good pre-season. Um, I think it's you, you, you've been able to see his ideas get across to the team and us impl- you know, 
implement them better as we've gone on. There's still a, a long way to go. There's a um, and it's been a tough preseason in because of the Euros. A lot of key players haven't been around. Um, so I think we've got to accept that. Um, this is still a work in progress and it's going to take a few more months for that to really bed in. But yeah, I, th- I think he, he's a nice guy. Everything that we knew when he came in, he's a nice guy and yeah, he, he's, he's good at working with players. He's managed to get his ideas across pretty quickly and we're prettier than we we were you know, last season, certainly. I think when we played the lesser teams in the friendly, there was definitely things there you could notice that we've been working on and he's starting to instill his ideas. I mean, as Milo said, um, it's gone well considering, you know, the late arrivals back, really. And also the background noise. I'm not saying that's massively affecting Nuno, but it's still mm-hmm. there. And realistically, I think after the last two games, we got pr- I think we've got a pretty good idea who'll be starting against City as well. I mean, yeah. I know it's quite a limited choice we've got, really, but I think we pretty much know who's going to start, I think. And so, I mean, again, for me, I've learned from this preseason that you know Nuno is uh definitely a man who's gonna be who has brought stability a sense of calm and a sense of purpose to us again and Mm. a sense of class let's move on to the season preview and uh you know with the Nuno loving that I'm attempting to 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 start here you know how do we feel about the coming season also I've got a bit of a kind of list of things and then you can maybe like bounce off some of them really because usually I'm a kind of usually I'm a fairly optimistic fellow but I think I'm gonna have to dollop a big lump of realism on the outlook for this year so I think I think we might. I mean, with what we've got, the things we still got to do, we might as well say our preseason is probably going to end on August the thirty first, more so than where it is right here, because there's so much kind of unresolved, not necessarily problems, but unanswered questions up in the air stuff. And my thoughts are the cane, obviously, and all the knock ons issues if he does go. And and Dumbele, what's what's the deal with him? Cess is back now, but we don't really know if he's any good. Doherty, Mr. Ordinary, as we said before, we've got to pray that Celso can stay fit so we can see what he's what he's you know, mm-hmm. if he's a good player. We've got Oreo Sissoko, Wink Sanchez. We want them out the door, but you know, otherwise it looks like we might have to use them and then reintegrate them to a certain degree. We've got to get Romero up to speed. We've got to get Road on minutes because he's a big hope, but we still don't know if he's any good. And it's just working on shape and the system and patterns. There's so much. It's quite hard to do that when there's so much change still up in the air, if you see what I mean. So um, uh, they're my kind of negative. Well, I say negative. That's my pessimistic, but not really. That's my realistic kind of thought. But do you want the positives? Quick few positives. Well, I mean, if personally, I'd there love are positives, them. Yes, mate. Please, Honestly, if you would, that would be great. I'm with the positives to cheer us up. Plus, my big po- mm. don't forget my Nuno big positive. No, but um, yeah, the positives, good. and this is Delhi, Delhi and Bergwin. I think really look like they've done some off-season work, and they're both mm-hmm. good to go. And I'm, and I like their body language in the game. Bergwin's using the ball and controlling it with loads of confidence. He's looking like I'm an attacking player again now, rather than a water mm-hmm. carrier like he was employed with the last man. But um, and I think Reggie Moore, Sunny, they all look good to go. And the good thing with Sonny is he looks like he's virtually signed up for life. That's 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 done and dusted. That's in the out tray. I think Hoiberg and Skip are big positives. I don't think there's no chance of Skip going on loan now. That's definitely mm-hmm. not happening. And I think not only does he solve the blatant problem of running Hoiberg into the ground like we did last year, he also I think generally offers a partner to Hoiberg in some games. And they're both mm-hmm. I think they're both quite clearly more than just stoppers. They both have a range of passing and a cleverness in reading the game. And if one needs and if one of them needs to be more offensive, they can. I think you know they're both they're both going to be very useful this year. But my big positive is Nuno. I think where's that drum sound? Oh yes. Do you want the positive? Let's do it. <laughs> no, to follow on from what Steph was saying, I just think with the kind of carousel of issues we've got and the unanswered questions and the unknowns, etc., I just feel at ease with the man leading us, really. He's calm, 
collected. And I think he looks to focus on what he can affect. He concentrates on just making the best out of what's in front of him. None of this kind of sideshow business. And I think he thinks, you know, the outside stuff can be dealt with others, really. And he's he's not going to waste any of his own time on it. And I think, thankfully... He's 100% he's not going to add any problems himself like the last man might have done. So um, we're kind of, comf- you know, we're comfortable with him. He, and it, realistically, you know, just might be the perfect manager for this season. It's a transition season. We've got all these spinning plates, all these things to sort out. And I think he's just a calm, collective man in the centre of it all. It's Nuno. He's got a transition season. A lot of people need to focus and remember that it's his first season. We've had some squad changes. And I feel like I've got my club back at the moment because the manager is classy. Hopefully the team can gel around him. Once this transfer window closes, I think we can really become focused. But we won't be a circus. Um, and that's just a massive deal to me. Um, I'm going to enjoy watching Spurs, whether we finish sixth or seventh. If we can play um, attractive football and do what we need to. But the optimist in me thinks top four is a reality. We weren't that far off it last season and we did not play well. I don't think we can afford for it to be a transitional season. I don't think we've got any choice. There's just too many, those things like I mentioned, we've just got too much to unwind, I think. We can't afford a third season out of the Champions League. The top four has to be the target for the season. Oh, it is the target. I'll give you that. It, it has to be. You're right. It's hard to do, though. When Potter's manager, my target was that we were in touching distance come Christmas and then you push on in the second half of the season. And so that allows a little bit of bedding in time. It allows for those players to settle. I think what we've got to try and do is make ourselves difficult to beat in those first few months. So it, it might not be as pretty as it, it is later on, but try and be effective and keep it tight. Um, yeah, and see where we are. Uh, we're on the target point. Uh, that's, uh, it seems that we've hit that, that area of the show. I'm going to be blunt. I think that we will finish fourth. Um, I think we have the talent and I think we have a manager who is realistic enough and, uh, well, I hate the P word, but I think he's pragmatic enough to get the most out of the players he has as opposed to try and emboss his specific systems on them. Uh, I think he's he's going to make the absolute most of what he's got and, uh, and I, I back him to do it. Part of that is the hubris and optimism that comes with being a Tottenham Hotspur football club supporter. There's no point supporting your club if you don't believe that they're going to actually do something. But I think that it is realistic to expect us to to sneak into fourth. Uh, absolutely. We, have, we, ha- we do have a very strong squad and it just has looked completely disorganised uh, for the last six months. Uh, we know why. And we've already discussed the fact that there's someone who's coming in who's already adding layers of organisation. Um, so I, that that is my personal target. I, I is, is fourth place, and and I think that we should be going for it, and I think that we will achieve it. I think the club's target has to be top four. I think as fans, our target has to be top four. I just think in reality, there's a lot of teams in and around us who, on their day or over a season, could be better than us. Um, so yeah, it's going to be hard. I I really want to enjoy the same optimism as you guys but um i I think a fifth or sixth not a target i think that's a prediction um target would be four naturally i'm a spurs fan i mean there's always good teams there i think but there's also good teams who have poor seasons and you know if you look at united last season they um they finished a lot better than their performances suggested you know if you look at their expected points over the season they they massively exceeded that liverpool um, are, are struggling to do any business this summer. They need to sell players in order to buy anyone. They haven't really done any business. So they're not freshening up as, as they'd want. Maybe it's going a bit stale there. So, you know, they, they could have issues. You know, if you look at Leicester, you know, Rogers typically stays at a club a season too long. So, you know, he's been there a while there. Maybe that goes a bit stale. So there's all sorts of things that could happen. And, you know, damn well, you know, last season it, it, it was close. You know, we were a couple of results away from getting top four. 
someone's going to fuck up. It might be us. It could be someone else. You know, <laughs> if you get a good if you get a good run of uh, results together, then you're in there. So I think we just got to make sure that we're in a position that we can take advantage if if the chance comes up. Uh, you've got me. That's brilliant, by the way, Milo. That was brilliant because <laughs> you've actually got me. You've get, made me rethink everything I've been going through when I prepared for this. And yeah, it's possible. I hope we do get top four. Yeah, I just hope that if as as we're straightening stuff out, I mean that's going to go into then August September. That it, as Milo says, if we can stay, get a reasonable points total going, then um, the what, one thing I have faith with Nuno is that some pattern will emerge. I really have faith mm. in that, and he's also great at developing and integrating players. He's also very calm. He's a calm mm. leader, isn't he? He's calm. He deals with everything calmly. Mm. I think you're right, Ricky. I say at Wolves, he was very, very good at bringing in new players and getting them up to speed quickly. He's not like Poch, where someone gets, um, you don't see them outside the training ground for six months after they join. He's very good at bringing in people quickly. I think there's one other thing, actually, that I wanted to bring up on this, is that I think the squad will probably have quite a bit of a, a bounce after the new players coming in. We know that it's been stale for quite some time, and we've desperately needed that refresh. And I think that happening is going to give everyone a bit of a you know a bit of a spring in their step, a bit of a bounce, and hopefully that can carry on into our form into the mm. season as well. And and you know there's good vibes around the place. And I agree. I mean, plus the current players are bouncing back from the last regime. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Think of Bergwin, think of Delhi, think of all them. I agree with that, and we haven't even discussed Benny Hill tonight. I mean, we discussed him last week, a silver medalist uh, for for Spain. You know, I mean, what an exciting prospect! And I mean, he won Nuno the gold could... right at the end there. Yeah, yeah, mm. hit the bar. I mean, if Nuno what a shot yeah. again a Spurs player and this yeah. is another discussion we'll be having forever but it's so exciting I mean there is a lot to be excited about I think I mean I, I, I know that I sound like a happy clapper but and to an extent maybe I am but I think that with Nuno as you said Nuno brings players you know new players and integrates them fairly quickly who knows and in terms of new players coming in you know we know that a, a right back and a centre back are being prioritised to come in as well you know we know that we're looking at you know being linked with some very good strikers so yeah if you've got those three coming in plus replacing some players who are leaving there's still a bit more movement to go on here this you know this is going to look quite you know a fresh and exciting squad with some options like i was saying with the transfer the other thing with the transfers and clubs being in really dire straits is the date of august the 31st and i know we hate making transfers on that day Mm. everyone seems to is really going to crystallize some team's positions and they're going and all that date does really is force them into a critical situation where they've either got to sell or got to buy you've you've done it you've hit you've hit a question that i haven't even thought of asking but i I, listening to Redknapp the other day talking on five live and he was going like that's Whoa, it's about the Harry Kane tricks. Whoa, this is Daniel. Daniel loves this. He loves this moment. He loves the day. It's a transfer window, isn't it? Transfer window, transfer window, transfer window. It's barking away. And you've just said that. And I just thought, wow, do we think that this could be like the most exciting 31st of August uh, in many years for us? Are we going to really pick up some? Are we going to pick up a bargain? A bargain superstar? Potentially some clubs might. They might have players that they absolutely 100% have to get rid of before that date goat rolls by because they might not be able to keep them for more months. Barcelona's got a load of them. Barcelona's got... They might, do you think agents are, agents going to be camped out at the camp new on the from the thirtieth? Aren't they? I mean, it's going to be a bottom a bottom feeding frenzy. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> the situation at Barcelona may well be that the club, the players they don't want to sh- shift at the moment, they might be forced to shift at the end of the month. Exactly. So they've got a handful of old players on big wages, which you'd assume we aren't interested in, but they've got some really exciting young players. And maybe if they can't shift the players that they'd like to shift, some of the other ones come into play late on. Blimey, closing down sale at Camp Nou, August 31st. (laughs) (laughs) 
70 percent 70 percent off stickers everywhere <laughs> the camp the camp new car booter it is <laughs> and there's lots of other clubs in that situation here we we're talking about inter exactly. about the trouble they're meant to be in there's lots and lots of other clubs out there in a similar situation so we could really we could take advantage if, if we if we've got money to spend as you said before you know it might be loan deals because yeah. they just take the wages off the bill so there might be options there Let's uh, very quickly rank the competitions that we are in in order of priority. Let's keep this really quick. Um, I'll read them out. Number one would be Premier League. Number two would be the Proletariat Champions League, a.k.a. European Conference. Number three, FA Cup. Number four, League Cup. Uh, looking at that list and in, you know, 20 seconds, what's your priority? Start with Ricky. Uh, you've just read it out in that in that order. Milo? Yep, same. I'd move FA Cup above the European thing and League Cup to the bottom, but otherwise the okay. same. Okay, very good. Yeah, my, my order stays the same. And I have to tell you, I mean, obviously top four is, 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 is without doubt the priority, but uh, the, pro te- the Proletariat Champions League uh, does offer the potential for that magic fixture that I discussed last week. I am not looking for Nostradamus-type predictions for the season in general. Uh, I'm looking for a sort of like, you know, Dave Biglow from Kettering look at it, which is to say, loosen your trousers, take a deep breath, uh, have some fun with these. And, uh, you know, we're going to do the 3-2-1. We're going to keep it tight. I'm going to go one by one and fire off the questions at you. They're going to be quick answers I want, okay? So uh, why don't I start with you, Ricky? Okay, are you ready? Go. Three, two, one. Where will we finish? Uh, fifth. How will we do in the Cups? Um, I'm not sure about the League Cup. Uh, the, the, the Conference League, we're going to win that. We're 100% going to win that. Love it, okay? Premier League winners this season will be? Chelsea. Champions League winners this season will be? Man City. FA Cup winners this season will be? Leeds. <laughs> uh, League Cup winners this season will be? Um, Man City. And relegated from the Premier League this season will be? Newcastle, uh, Brentford and Watford. Okay. Luton, I'm going to go to you next. Three, two, one. Where will we finish? Fifth. How are we doing the Cups? I think we'll... Um... Got very far in the European thing. I think we'll crash in the FA Cup at some point and we'll possibly push for a League Cup win this time. Okay. Who do you think will win the Premier League? Unfortunately, I have to agree with Ricky there. It's going to be Chelsea in my mind. Who do we think will win the Champions League? The team um, I want to win and I think is going to win is PSG. Who do we think will win the FA Cup? Man United. Who do we think will win the League Cup? City or us. And relegated from the Premier League will be? I'm going to say Palace. Brentford and Watford. Okay. Milo, three, two, one. Where will we finish? Fourth. How are we doing the Cups? We'll bin off the domestic Cups to focus on the league. We'll do. We'll win the conference. Uh, who's going to win the Premier League? I think it'll be Chelsea as well. Champions League winners? PSG, if they get messy. FA Cup winners? Uh, Man United. League Cup winners? City, same as every year. <laughs> and relegated from the Premier League? Uh, Watford, Norwich and Burnley. Mm. Burnley, yeah, and he sneaked, and he sneaked up, uh, staying up last season. So they did, mm. yeah. Ooh. Okay, that was underrated. <laughs> Steph, where will we finish? Uh, fourth. How will we do in the cups? We'll get to the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. We'll get knocked out of the League Cup in what the fourth round, I think, and uh, we will win the Proletariat uh, Champions League. Premier League winners. Uh, I think it's going to be Chelsea. I agree with all of you. Champions League winners? I'm going to go for PSG or Bayern. PSG, I agree, if they get messy. Otherwise, I think it could be Bayern. 
FA Cup winners. It's going to be Aston Villa for me. I think they've made some really good buys. The Cup looks a really good t- really good shot for them. I could say Aston Villa. League Cup? Yeah, well, give Manchester City something to win this season. Small club from <laughs> Manchester, they can have that. And relegated. Well, I agree with you with Burnley, sadly. I think they've bought no one, so I think they're going. Uh, I think Newcastle uh, will be the same, actually. I think that they're in a... They're, they just they can't keep on doing it. I think this the, the end is coming for them. And... It's going to be one of the promoted clubs, and I think Norwich are in the same position. They they got promoted with the likes of Skip. They don't have him, so sorry, out. And they lost Buendia as well, yeah. haven't they? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one final prediction. I reckon if we win the European Conference League and we finish fourth, Kane won't leave next year. If the vibe's good and we're looking like we're going the right way, he won't leave. That's no good. I've, I've already banked on flogging him. We don't need the money, really. We sell him against his will next summer, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to the League Cup winners, Man City. (laughs) And then maybe two years down the line, finally, Harry Kane gets to his second Champions League final and actually scores the winner for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club in the commercial Champions League. So they already have won the real Champions League for us this season uh, in Tirana, as we've discussed against Jose Mourinho's Roma. Um, Anyway, so, God, I did it. Sorry, Milo. I couldn't help myself. Uh, Manchester City next weekend, very briefly. um, uh, Okay, who should... yeah. Manchester City next weekend, very briefly. Have we seen the starting eleven? I'd bring Lacelso in. Otherwise, uh, yeah, for either Delhi or Skip, I'm not particularly bothered who. Um, and but uh, yeah, okay. But other, otherwise, yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty much the same side. So yeah, Jaffet right back. I think he's cemented that today. He was excellent. He's got the pace. Um, otherwise, Lacelso, I agree with Milo there. He's a good player. He needs to be in the team. He transitions the ball well. He's clever. Um, yeah, otherwise, same team. Is um. Romero not going to play then, do you think? Is that too early for him? Or He's got an injury, so he picked up a knock at Copa America. Oh, okay. So um, he is training He is training on the pitch, but he's, he's not meant to be ready. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll probably be the, pretty much the same team he's seen. I, mean, I'll probably, I don't even think LaCelso will start. I think he'll just stick with the front six that he's been playing. And defensively, I suppose we haven't really got that many choices. I mean, that's the thing, really. I suppose it's going to be Sanchez and Dyer with Reggie at left back. And probably if Loz Jaffet's okay, he can play right back. Um, but I think the City have got De Bruyne and Foden, they both out. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that helps. Yeah, and you just, Nuno's spent a lot of time with certain players and he's got to know them, and there's other players he hasn't exactly. quite got to know yet. So that's why I think the front six thing might be right. Yeah, I think we've seen the starting 11 today with the first half. I think Lacelso will come in in the second half, and I think he's quite fit enough to start, unless Nuno takes the opinion that you start with your strongest side and then, you know, bring in a substitute for him either way. But uh, I think we have seen that. And, you know, let's just. Let's just finally say, are you optimistic about the game or is optimistic an anagram of silly, naive bastard? I don't think it's a bad time to be playing them. As, R- as Ricky was just saying, they've got a number of players out. They've got more missing than we have. And um, they're not actually in a particularly good run of results at the moment. So uh, they didn't look great in the Charity Shield yesterday. So, yeah, not a bad time to be playing them. I mean, obviously, they're, they're a really, really good side. And if they're on their game, they'll... Um, you know, it's going to be very, very d- difficult to live with them. But as you were saying earlier as well, Milo, we're at home. We're going to have the big full out. I presume it's a full house. It looks yeah. a full house looking at the stadium on the ticket site. So um, all good. Yeah. I think we'll win. And I'll tell you why I think we'll win. I think that the 
I think there's been a little bit of needle building up between the clubs. And I think critically, some of our players seem a little upset at what's gone down with Harry and not necessarily with our treatment behavior towards Harry, maybe just seeing that, you know, Mm -hmm. how the game has been played off the pitch, quote unquote, if you will. And so I think that extra needle could carry through. And I think that we've got enough to get us to get us through this one. I won't be pretty. Uh, I think it will be quite, you know, quite gritty at times, but I think we're going to, I think we're going to win. I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. So I'm going for a whim. A cheerful uh, end to what has been another fun discussion. Uh, final preseason. Big business starts next week. Uh, I think we've covered it very well. Thanks very much, boys. Much appreciated. Cheers, Cheers lads. Cheers, um, we will be back next week with a look back at our victory over Manchester City. Uh, you, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. So give us a follow, say hello, show your friends so they can give us a follow and say hello and just basically talk about us to everyone. It's helpful. It helps us grow. We are growing and we thank you for your help in that. If you like what you hear, we have a bountiful archive full of all treasures for you to plunder. Be sure to check them out. And yes, if you like the pod and listen on the iTunes, please leave a review and a rating. We'd really appreciate it. I just said that like an old man. If you listen on the iTunes, leave us a good review it'll be lovely as always thanks for joining us and we will see you next week bye bye